There's one med you should never use in a pregnant woman, and new guidelines suggest avoiding it in women of reproductive age altogether. Welcome to the Carlite Psychiatry Podcast, keeping psychiatry honest since 2003. I'm Chris Aiken, the Editor-in-Chief. And I'm Kelly Newsom, a Psych NP and a dedicated reader of every issue. Before we release the Ninth Commandment, let's recap the first eight. One, do not worsen mental illness with psychiatric medications, like don't use antidepressants in rapid cycling bipolar disorder or psychostimulants in psychosis. Two, avoid stopping meds abruptly, particularly benzodiazepines and serotonergics. Three, prevent lithium toxicity by checking interactions, age, and renal function. Four, stop lamotrigine if any rash develops in the first three months. Five, do not combine benzodiazepines and opioids in patients at high risk for overdose death. Six, honor thy MAOI interactions. Seven, controlled substances shall be controlled by you. Eight, avoid unwise medication combinations like benzos and stimulants or stimulants and antipsychotics. And number nine, avoid valproate, Depakote in pregnancy. And we could end this podcast there, but come with us because we've got a lot to say on this one. Valproate is the only psychiatric medication with a near absolute contraindication in pregnancy. The risks here are clear. There's congenital malformations, including spina bifida, facial malformations, neurotube defects, cleft lift and palate, hypospadia, which is a defect in the opening of the penis, atrial septal defect, and polydactyly, when you have more than 10 fingers. Depakote is associated with a 10-point drop in IQ in the child exposed to it. There's also delayed motor skills and higher rates of ADHD and autism. Now, sure, lots of meds have been associated with risks like these here and there, but what makes Valproate stand out is the sheer frequency one in 10 exposed babies are going to have a malformation on it, and nearly half will have some type of neurodevelopmental delay, including lower IQ. The problem is so common that it didn't take long to uncover. Shortly after valproate entered widespread use in the late 1970s, this valproate fetal syndrome was described. And since then, it's been confirmed in large epidemiologic studies. This commandment is an absolute, no negotiations, and some draw on even a harsher line. The British Association for Psychopharmacology recommends avoiding valproate entirely in girls and women of childbearing age. The FDA issued a similar warning in 2013, advising that valproate should not be used for any condition in women of childbearing age unless other reasonable options were exhausted. But it doesn't look like many have taken heed. In a 2018 survey of 4,000 British patients with mood disorders, one in four women under the age of 50 were still taking Valproate. Let's pause for a preview of the CME question for this episode. To earn CME for the podcast, click on the link in the show notes. One, which antidepressant has the best overall safety data for pregnancy and breastfeeding? A, clomipramine, B, escitalopram, C, vortioxetine, 
D. Sertraline. If you do use valproate in a woman who could become pregnant, make sure that they understand the risk and that they also take folic acid with it. Folic acid reduces the risks of problems should any pregnancy occur. Valproate depletes folate. And there is a small controlled trial where adding folic acid improved valproate's benefits during acute mania. Some guidelines recommend a pregnancy test before starting valproate and all emphasize adherence to birth control while taking it. If your patient does become pregnant on valproate, switch. Lithium, antipsychotics, and lamotrigine all have lower rates of teratogenicity than valproate, and they can be substituted if needed during a pregnancy. Carbamazepine is a little riskier, less so than valproate, but more than lithium. Lamotrigine has the highest safety data in bipolar disorder, but its main benefits are prevention, not active treatment. No one knows for sure how to taper psych meds. We study how to start them, but not how to stop them. But here's some guidance. If your patient is not pregnant and you want to get them off valproate to avoid these risks, taper over at least four weeks. If they are pregnant and psychiatrically stable, taper over two weeks. That's right, don't stop abruptly. Withdrawal effects can be just as problematic, according to a 2019 expert consensus paper. If they are pregnant and in active mania, though, you can taper faster and switch while you're doing so, because here, the valproate is likely not even helping. Valproate is the riskiest med in pregnancy, but it is not as risky for breastfeeding. In pregnancy, we worry about organ malformation. In breastfeeding, the organs have already developed and the concern is that the infant will get toxic effects of the accumulating medication, such as sedation. Dial back to our December 19, 2022 episode for a refresher on breastfeeding and psych meds. Valproate is not the only medication to avoid in pregnancy. Our December 12, 2022 episode reviewed the subject in more detail, and here are some of the others to avoid. Paroxetine, Paxil, Lithium, Carbamazepine, Tricyclic Antidepressants, particularly Clomipramine, Benzodiazepines, and stimulants like Ritalin and Adderall. Two that stand out there are Paroxetine and the Benzodiazepines, Paroxetine is the only SSRI with a Category D pregnancy warning, which it earned for its potential to cause cardiac defects. Now, some would debate whether it really deserves that ignominy, but I prefer to stay out of those debates, especially in front of a jury. With so many other antidepressants to choose from, there's little reason to select paroxetine in women of reproductive age, especially considering its other problems like a higher risk of serotonin withdrawal syndrome. Sertraline is the safest antidepressant in both pregnancy and breastfeeding. Escitalopram, fluoxetine, and bupropion are also safe in pregnancy, but they are not as safe as sertraline in breastfeeding. The benzodiazepines are particularly risky in the third trimester, where they can cause benzo-withdrawal symptoms in the infant, floppy infant syndrome, 
and respiratory and feeding difficulties. But, you know, the problem with benzos and with sleep meds as well is in justifying their medical necessity. With the possible exception of panic disorder, long-term benzodiazepine use is not a well-supported treatment for psychiatric disorders. Its indication is for acute treatment of anxiety. But for that, you're probably going to try a less risky intervention like psychotherapy if the woman is pregnant. But even as we avoid starting a benzodiazepine in pregnancy, we're likely going to see women who become pregnant who are already taking a long-term benzo. Now, that's a dicey one. Here we've got the withdrawal syndrome to deal with. You know, in an ideal world, we'd taper the benzo off over four to six weeks while starting CBT. In an even more ideal world, we get someone like Michael Otto at Harvard to conduct the CBT using the model he developed for benzo withdrawal, which emphasizes fears about withdrawal, as well as exercises to manage the physical sensations like deep breathing and progressive muscle relaxation, much as they do for CBT for panic disorder. If only we lived in such an ideal world. Psychotherapy, brisk walking, Mediterranean-style diet, sleep hygiene. All of these can help your pregnant patients keep some version of sanity while minimizing their peripartum med list. Add to that TMS or light therapy for depression and ECT for severe depression. All of these devices are safe and effective in pregnant women. And now for the study of the day. Alcohol and Lactation, Developmental Deficits in a Mouse Model by Roberto Perez and colleagues from Frontiers in Neuroscience. Last year, the CDC made it clear there is no safe amount of alcohol during pregnancy. But what about during breastfeeding? Little is known about the risks there, and a controlled human study would not be ethical. So we turn to this 2023 study which tested alcohol in a controlled study of breastfeeding mice. The results offer up a warning. Baby mice exposed to alcohol through breast milk had lower body weights, lower brain weights, and a thinner cerebral cortex. They grew up to be hyperactive risk-takers and had greater difficulty managing stress. Controlled studies in humans are non-existent, but the uncontrolled data points the same way. Alcohol exposure during breastfeeding has been linked to lower IQ, lower body mass, and various behavioral problems. Alcohol in breast milk mirrors the amount in the bloodstream. It peaks 30 to 60 minutes after a drink, and it is still detectable for up to three hours after a drink. more research updates like these through Dr. Aiken's LinkedIn or Twitter feeds at Chris Aiken MD, or follow me on LinkedIn at Kelly Newsom PMHNP. Do you know of lines that should not be crossed in psychopharmacology? Send us your ideas for the Ten Commandments to ask the editor at thecarlatreport.com. Subscribe to our online journal and get $30 off your first year subscription with the promo code podcast. The Carlat Report is one of the few CME publications that depends entirely on subscribers. Thank you for helping us stay free of commercial support.